welcome to episode 14 of the UC Architects, recorded on the 16th of December 2012. I'm Steve Goodman, and this week I'm joined by John A. Cook, Serkan Varaglu, Johan Veldis, Stole Hansen, and we're going to be talking about Link and Exchange. Uh, so, uh, let's have a quick talk to some of our co-hosts before we start the show. Uh, John, welcome back. Hey, thanks. Always good to be here. Uh, so, what have you been up to since we've last spoke? It's been about has it, has it been two or three shows since uh, we were last on together? Uh, yeah, I think it's been a while. Yeah, um, you missed the Greg Taylor one that I was on. I know. I believe me, I've still it sucked. <laughs> I can't <laughs> tell you how much it sucked. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I was on the last one uh, with uh, everyone, and it was it was a really good show. I thought um, I've been working on uh, a couple things. Uh, uh, 2013 Link deployment uh, for like a mid-sized company, and also I'm starting a project um, uh, for a large-scale enterprise voice deployment, uh, you know, like 100,000 seat type, type deployment. Oh, cool. So you're definitely going to be one of the early adopters pushing it out then. Uh, well, yeah, some, some of that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of our topics in the show today is just that. So uh, when Starley brings that one up, you'll have to uh, give us some good uh, tips. Uh, and uh, how far are you with that? Have you just started it off or is it further down the road? Actually, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much it's probably the, you know 85% complete. The topology's built out, and yeah. it's a four-data center kind of thing. So the European data centers aren't online yet, but the topology's built out, and the primary and secondary. So it's, it's kind of a you know a primary pool and then a failover pool uh, and a secondary data center. Um, so that's all done. Full enterprise voice? No, this not, no this deployment not yet. Um, yeah. I'm sort of. I mean, they really kind of only want it for mobility, but I'm kind of pre-deploying the rest of the bits just so that they when they want to pilot they have the stuff you know yeah um, they, yeah well again it's a yeah. law firm so they're probably going to want more sooner than later but uh they just think they want this piece now so um so no voice yet but i think that'll come oh and are you looking forward to christmas uh yeah i, got, I bought a new printer today or yesterday <laughs> that was fun Only christmas present a- for yourself then <laughs> I haven't bought a printer in a while. You know, it's pretty cool now with all this e-web stuff and print directly to, from mail to. I mean, it sounds like I, I'm out of touch with it, but I haven't bought a printer in a while, so I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. You can print right from the email. No, I had exactly the same sort of thing. I realized that I could just like open up my uh, iPod, iPhone, everything, and just print straight to it. So, oh, yeah, this was, is uh, good. I can yeah, scan yeah. from it. I didn't even yeah, have a I mean, scanner. I had an AirPrint, like you can do an AirPrint, uh, yeah. you know, like a. Uh, app to have one of your Macs, you know, be able to do AirPrint if the printer doesn't support yeah. it directly, but it's just nice to be able to go, hey, print this to, to the printer, you know, boom, you know. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I was kind of surprised about how technology moved on, because up until like, a month ago, I think I just had, you know, a printer plugged into a server sitting somewhere, uh, sort of like the old school sort of thing, and then I bought a new one, so I, Oh, this just does everything. It's really yeah. easy. There's, there's an app for it for everything. And it's cheap, and, and uh, yeah, and it just works, and you're like, I, <laughs> I wish everything would work as well as this. Yeah. In fact, I think on Windows 8, Windows 8 detected it on the network and installed a special app for it. And I was like, this is pretty good. <laughs> so uh, yeah. printers aren't something I usually get excited about ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I know. I yeah, see where here. you're coming from. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so that was your early Christmas present. Are you hoping for something big uh, from Santa next week? <laughs> Well, I bought the the type cover for my Surface, and I'm still debating whether I'm going to buy the Pro or maybe one of the other you know devices. Yeah. So I'm, I was kind of looking at all the rest of them at uh, at Best Buy uh, uh, yesterday, and 
you know, I, I, I really like uh, surf. I bought a mini for myself. That's my early uh, uh, iPad mini for myself. That's my early Christmas present. But uh, uh, I got lots of thoughts around that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's my biggest. I, I remember I pretty much buy what I want when I want. So I, I have to be sort of, you know, I, it's more about what I'm not going to buy than what I am going to buy. <laughs> <laughs> I have to try and be careful. Uh uh, otherwise, uh, I end up having to spend the same on everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, 300 pounds on my computer. Okay, that's an iPad that I've got to get for somebody and a TV for somebody else. <laughs> so, you know, it's all got to be fair in my house. Uh, so, yeah, 300 pounds is 900 pounds. <laughs> Well, I gave my I gave my son the option. Do you want an iPad Mini or, or cash? He took the the cash. <laughs> so, <laughs> how old's your son? Uh, he's gonna be twelve. Uh, and he's already having the cash. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, yeah. He, there's a lot of Xbox games, a lot of stuff on iTunes. You know. Yeah. Uh, no, it, it's scary how how small kids are that, and they want things like tablets now. Uh, my daughter, who just bought her a, a tablet for Christmas, uh, as yet another of her presents. And it's like seriously, you know, three years old, a tablet, and she's already got an <laughs> iPod Touch. Uh, but they're, they're so intuitive, and they, you know, kids get on with them quite well. Uh, it's weird yeah. to see devices like that that have that become the every device for everybody where, you know, I, I can be working with a colleague in a data center and tablet is the perfect thing to take into there instead of a notepad. Well, you're there, yet the same device is perfect for a kid to be playing on while they're eating their sandwiches and chucking yeah. stuff everywhere. Well, it's like a... I, you know, if you travel, you know, you see in the airport, it's really kind of like a portable television in a lot of ways, too. It's like, here, yeah. shut up and, and play this game, you know. <laughs> yeah, Here's your tablet. Person, in fact, the only person that hasn't got a tablet in my house is me. And <laughs> I, I, I'm holding out. I'm holding out. I, I want something like a Surface Pro. I want something that's a bit more than just uh, a consumption device. I want something that I can really use to do some writing on and things like that. So we'll see. We'll see what the new year brings on. I might decide I just want new SSDs or something like that instead. Sirkan. Hello. How, how's things going with you? Have you been busy? Oh, yeah. For the last couple of weeks, it was pretty busy. I had a few exchange projects that I'm about to wrap up now, and the new one started last weekend. So I worked full last weekend, and also I worked this morning. Then I came home and played Halo. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just finished. I just finished the campaign not that long ago. <laughs> no, I'm not playing the campaign. I mean, I tried it in legendary mode, and like after two I finished. Chapters, it wasn't as bad. As, it was nowhere near as bad as two Le- legendary. Mode, I sorry, I, hij- I hijacked the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> legendary in, in Halo Two was the most. It was simply the hardest thing I've ever played in my life, and I I cursed every minute. I I still did it anyway, but I hated it. I mean, it would take you like a, it would take you like a, like a day and a half to get like through one checkpoint. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I play like fifteen or twenty minutes for the chapter, then I go to you know to matchmaking. Which is pretty fun until you get those seven-year-olds kicking your ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I realized. Then I also started on a link project a couple of weeks ago, and we are at the stage of finishing and wrapping up Enterprise Voice. So it's been pretty busy. I haven't had a chance to look at many things except you know the projects and trying to arrange the time with my wife. And the Christmas is coming up, so there will be a big party in Bermuda. So what is a Bermudan Christmas like, apart from heart 
and sweaty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not hot. I mean, it's pretty good, but it's not hot. Does it snow? Uh, no. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> the Armageddon if it snowed there, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did anyway. you, do you have Christmas trees? Or do they like make up palm trees with uh, with baubles on? Oh, people do. I mean, yeah. we, didn't, uh, we didn't, uh, usually don't bring in a tree to the house, but uh, every year there's a party at the beach. Well, it starts in the morning, and you start drinking champagne in the morning until it's until you are drunk, usually. I never saw it ending, because I usually get drunk by the midday and go home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we are getting ready for Christmas now, so... So your Christmas is going to be beach parties and Halo. Mm, I'm not sure about the Halo parts, but <laughs> well, I'm not sure if my wife will let me play Halo. But it will be fun, I guess. I think Halo on the beach sounds like a good idea. I think, I think I, I think I uh, if I play Halo in the beach, that would be nice. But you know. So that's got to make it suck a bit less when you're getting your ass kicked by 15-year-old kids. Or worse, 10-year-old kids. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I'm not putting a microphone to my <laughs> Xbox. Uh, the, the last I don't time want I played, them to hear me and like <laughs> that will be not good. So the, I the always mute Xbox. It was Halo Three, so a long time ago, and I was playing against my I think it was an eight-year-old brother-in-law, uh, and he just absolutely kicked my ass each and every time. Uh, we were sitting next to each other, and he he just like embarrassed me and I said I'm not playing this game ever ever again because there's no way I'm going to be as good as him however much I play I just will never get to that that stage but I'm probably not very coordinated because I'm one of those people that spends most of their time facing the corner shooting at the uh, shooting at the ground so <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but no racing games is more, more my sort of thing I just finished the uh, Skyrim Sky, I play a lot of Skyrim the download of the the Dragonborn downloadable content, which you can actually get ready ride dragons, which I can tell you is pretty cool. <laughs> Let me tell you, <laughs> I just finished that as well. So, so yes. that's the reason my my, my Link Federation, uh, my, my home Link environments uh, Federation Federated Media is still not working because I got sidetracked on Skyrim. So, know <laughs> who my priorities are. <laughs> well, as long as you've got them right, you know. Well, at least I know, and I know what the problem is, at least. So I know where it's broken. I just don't know how to fix it yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Joanne, hello. Hi, Pete. Hi. How's things with you? Yeah, pretty busy with uh, troubleshooting uh, this moment. So both link and exchange uh, troubleshooting scenarios with some customers. So, so always things nice. Things aren't quite in doubt for Christmas yet, then, for you? Well, looks like. Issues are almost solved at the moment, so yeah, I think we, I think I can have a have a nice Christmas. Any good plans for the holiday season? Well, just with some family and uh, eating and drinking, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So what's what, what's Christmas in the, the Velhus house like then? Uh, is it beach parties or is it something uh, a little <laughs> bit more traditional? No, 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 no. First of all, I, I don't live uh, near near. So. <laughs> well, you never know. You might put some sand outside. I... So no, no, just uh, some family who comes uh, comes to my house, and the other day I'm going to uh, to some other family uh, to their house and eating and drinking and talking. Uh, that's how it mostly uh, look like. So it's not as uh, yeah. Compared to an uh, to an English uh, 
uh, Christmas. It's yeah, I think it's not the same, but. Maybe you can do. You can tell more about how how it goes on your side. Uh, well, we're having uh, a mix of family round and neighbours, uh, and my wife's doing all the cooking. Uh, so she's bought all sorts of different things for Christmas. It's like we seem to buy all this new stuff for cooking at Christmas and keeping things warm during Christmas. So in my office, I've got a three-pan buffet server sitting right <laughs> next to me, uh, which is, uh, you know, when you go, you don't have a car, I, I guess, where you are, but you know when you, you know when you go out for a meal and they they have things that keep the food warm. She's bought one of those just to keep everything warm, so everyone can go into our kitchen area and serve themselves. And uh, we've, we've got to have a million more chairs to sit everyone on. And that, that's our run up to Christmas. All sorts of stuff for the kids. Uh, it's all about the kids on the day. So big Christmas tree, which has involved having to reorganise our entire living room uh, to make room for this stupidly large tree. Uh, when my wife picked <laughs> it out, I, I knew it was too big. And the guy at the uh, the guy at the garden centre went, "How big is your house?" I said, "It's not big enough for this thing. <laughs> it literally takes up half the living room." Uh, but yeah, on on the day, it's going to be lots of people around, lots of family around, uh, lots and lots of turkey and every single meal into the sun so i think it's like turkey gammon and beef uh, <laughs> so i've so, started cooking actually I'm, I'm, I'm actually i'm cooking for christmas as we speak i started yesterday and i'm starting i'm, I'm actually doing it right now <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit too multifunctional you're multitasking <laughs> well the seasoned is it gonna be well, I'm making the stock, so I'm making a bunch of different things that need good chicken stock, so I'm making the stock now so I can get ahead of the game. Uh, and Also, I need quite a large volume of it, so <laughs> I've got to start now just to get enough that, Actually, that I, I need. <laughs> I have no one to say that you're starting too early. I forgot to mention one really important thing. I had Christmas dinner today. And it's the 16th of December. <laughs> That's where I've been all afternoon having Christmas dinner. Uh, but my brother-in-law is going away for Christmas. So he invited my mother-in-law and us round with all the kids and stuff like that to do Christmas at their house early. Uh, so we got there and I've been having the paper hats on for Christmas, not drinking the wine because I did a bit of overtime. So I'm going to be working nights again tonight. But everything apart from that. So... <laughs> uh, that- <laughs> So, yeah, so we, we do Christmas as often as possible. Uh, uh, but it's, it's still nothing on America because you get, like, two Christmas dinners anyway, don't you? You get Thanksgiving as well. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be it'll be Christmas Eve dinner and then Christmas dinner and then going out of town to my, to my, my in-laws and then probably having nine more Christmas dinners. So, yeah, it's going to be a long, <laughs> a long one. <laughs> a long Christmas. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, I, I've got plans of not eating too much, but uh, it, it never works out that way. No, Alre- no already not going to happen here. <laughs> uh, uh, in the UK, in every supermarket, for for five quid, you can always buy these massive boxes of roses and Quality Street, which is you know all these wrapped chocolates. And everyone buys a couple of those, and these we'll save those until Christmas Day. And then the next week, you you got to buy another two boxes because you went through those as well. And uh, uh, that that's me. I buy it, and then it's like mm, I'll just have one. Oh, I think I might try each separate chocolate. Uh, and one isn't enough, <laughs> so so maybe I'm going to have to be making a bit of a New Year's resolution to exercise or, or whatever you call it, run <laughs> to try and lose a, a little bit of weight that I'm no doubt going to have put on by the end of the Christmas season. Starlay as well. Hello. Hello, Steve. Yes, we're going on about Christmas, and we've forgotten all about you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said there everything that uh, there is to say about Christmas now. 
<laughs> I know, but I just love talking about it. Uh, so, uh, how's things with you then? It's been it, it's been a couple of episodes since I spoke to you. Yeah, uh, it's been, and uh, I've been busy talking about uh, Link. I've been doing some Link uh, Ignite redeliveries. Oh. And uh, I've been doing uh, lots of workshops about yep. uh, Link 2013. So I've uh, been very busy, actually. So workshops, talking about it. Have you been doing any of the, the doing of Link 2013 as well in, in real life, uh, like John and Sirkan? No, not as much. Uh, only lab. Uh, yeah. But uh, from now on, I'm, I'm doing a global Link 2013 uh, Enterprise Voice deployment, so um, I will get my hands dirty again. Oh, yeah, that's more than going to make up for it, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that and uh, get some uh, real hands-on. Yeah, I mean, mine, mine really just came out of, uh, out of the, like sort of a not necessarily this necessity, but it was just a it was a, it was worth talking to the client. They basically have you know they're, they're like a mid-sized company and they have four data centers, but they really you know once we outlined if they were going to use 2010 what it would take to give them full uh, HA and site resiliency, you know it was going to be like 15 servers. It was kind of crazy, so it was sort of like well. Um, we can do it with four, uh, with 13, you know, I mean, if you understand the following, you know, and, and, and they kind of really didn't need HA, they really just need site resiliency. And now the fact that we can do a backup pool, I mean, it really, you know, so going with 13 allowed me to use way less servers and make it way less complex um, and still give them what they wanted. And, you know, it just happened to be on 13, you know. So for me, it was sort of not the original plan, but it, it kind of made sense that, hey, it's out, it's released, uh, and it'll fix the problems, you know, what we're, that we're looking at because you need way too many servers to do what you want for three thousand people you know it's sort of a, a complete overkill so yeah so um, it's, you should go to 2013 if uh, you haven't got any baggage following you well we have bez baggage so that's one thing i, I think i think I, maybe i find a workaround for it but of course rim is going like 2013 link we don't support that of course not it's <laughs> what is this thing you speak of <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping running against a, a 2010 uh pool that was already existing should allow people to redirect but i I'll, I'll, I'll update with everybody to see if that works because I don't know if it's going to work yet, but that's that's the thought anyway. You've got some challenges ahead then. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. But but the the best thing was behind getting you know 13 or getting Link deployed. So um, you know they're kind of facing Bez out anyway. So Starley, is yours a complete greenfield uh, deployment, or has, has it got a bit of baggage that you've got to deal with? Actually, it's um, an extension of the technical assessment assessment program. So yeah. um, they um, in in that program they actually did uh, hybrid voice, which isn't in place yet. So we have to actually wait for that. But uh, we have deployed it and we are planning to how to roll it out. Ah right. So what's Christmas like in your house then? Well, uh, here in Norway we are always hoping for a white Christmas and um, we go skiing and. Uh, we have family over and they eat good food and drink. It couldn't yeah. be any more different to Sirkans then. No. <laughs> so <laughs> not from on the beach beach. or no. I'm just hoping it's got. Well, you, know, you might talk about different. I, I'm hoping it's going to snow. So you guys, yeah, most people <laughs> hope it doesn't. But we, because we, we haven't gotten any snow yet all year, so it, uh, I don't think we're going to have any for Christmas either. But I'm yeah, just yeah. Kind of sad. So you, we are looking at some melting now, but uh, we hope it's going to freeze till next week. So, yeah. So is is yours one of those t uh, countries where you have to have winter tires and things like that? Because yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Snows. If you don't, you get uh, you're probably gonna die. 
<laughs> it used to be that way here, but apparently it's never going to snow in Chicago again. But it used to be, yeah, if you don't have uh, at least decent tires, you're in bad, big trouble. But um, it stops snowing all of a sudden. So, <laughs> Well, the, the last few years in the UK, we've had snow each time. And people are like, oh, starting to think about winter tires. But no one ever really expects it to snow. And then it just does. And then the, ah, next year we'll be fine. You know, it probably won't snow. You know, maybe we should ask the council if they're going to bother getting something to put on their ice and they don't and then it snows and the whole place is chaos but i'm hoping it snows because fingers crossed uh, you know next week of work i can go on the train and get up there if i have to uh, so I, i'm hoping for a white christmas but it's you, you never know in the uk it's, re- it's really rare so uh, up where you are starlight it's, it's pretty much going to be is it white at the moment yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got lots, uh, lots of snow this uh, weekend actually, and it's yeah. been about 15 degrees uh, minus Celsius. Wow! Wow! Okay, so that's quite cold. cold and, uh, yeah. How so many inches of how many inches or centimeters of snow? No, not many. Uh, 10, oh, not deep. 20 then. centimeters. Ten, twenty centimeters. That's that's yeah. not deep. That is no. deep. That is deep. That would be absolutely chaotic in our country. You know, we're, yeah, we're, it's actually is chaotic. Can, can anyone convert Norway that as first? well? Because uh, every time it snows, uh, I'm in the south of Norway, so yeah. it's panic every time it snows. But uh, <laughs> everyone has to uh, have winter tires and stuff, but uh, it, it doesn't help. That's that's the snow and the Christmas done with then. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> There's not much more to say about that. We we know that it's going to be a bit of a very Christmas for everyone around the world, ranging from sitting on the beach to praying for snow and uh, to definitely, almost certainly having snow in minus 15 conditions. So it's going to be a bit of a mix around the world for everybody. Uh, and if you're listening to this over your Christmas break, Merry Christmas to you too. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for the New Year edition as well. So we'll do our New Year rundown after then. Uh, but let's move on to this week's top stories. Uh, so number one on the list uh, is is quite a biggie, uh, and that's uh, PowerShell 3, or the, the latest version of the Windows Management Framework, uh, is uh, a bad thing uh, when it comes to Exchange 2010. And John, do you want to talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, sure. I mean... Um what what uh, it took a couple of days to get official you know quote unquote official word from the exchange team but on, on the 14th they published on the exchange team blog that you know basically what the issues were with installing the Windows Management Framework Framework 3, um, which you know in essence is, is PowerShell 3 and and that was you know released via uh, standalone packages and, and probably more importantly double you know WSUS um, and Windows updates so I mean if depending on how you had the server config it is possible you could dump this package down on an exchange server be it uh, 2007 or 2010. And it would do some, you know, bad things. Uh, if you look at the article, it really does kind of show you what what would, would will break. But it's definitely something you shouldn't do. Um, and uh, there was a little bit of scrambling. I kind of sent it out to a bunch of my customers, like, hey, make sure this is not in your patch cycle. And quite a few already had deployed it. Um, some deployed it on servers that were probably get 2010. So at least it was a good time to, you know, get in front of that. But um, um, the, where's yeah, the, the testing? The, What's that about? Yeah, it is, and it is important that it is an optional update too. So, I mean, uh, yeah. unless you have something configured, you know, crazy, it shouldn't dump me automatically necessarily. But uh, there's probably environments that they do, you know, that may push it uh, inadvertently, you know. Um, so it's something to look at. Um, but like I said, the article walks you through that um, to to you know explain why you shouldn't do it. Um, it's just something you know, good FYI to um, to look for 
Um, so you don't hold your boxes. <laughs> uh, th- I mean, this isn't the first time that something like this has happened. Uh, I mean, the same happened with PowerShell 2. Uh, yeah. And uh, I remember uh, that was a, a couple of years ago, and, and I was running a, a server team back then. And I wouldn't have thought that it would be a good idea to deploy it then, and I held that back uh, for a long time until I had made sure that it was tested on all the 2007 servers properly, and it wasn't going to cause any issues. And I wasn't really that interested in deploying it because it didn't fulfill a- any new feature that I needed. Uh, there's no point deploying a feature unless you're going to use it. Uh, that's the, the whole point of things like Server Core. So if you're just deploying PowerShell 3 because it's new, uh, what, why? It's got to give you something that you actually need to to want to push it out to your estate in the first place. Yeah, and, and you know, yeah, you're right. Absolutely, this has happened before. Uh, I, mean, I, remember, I remember back with the we had the same kind of thing with the .NET frameworks, and you know, so if you got a if you got a product that was built in a in a in a in a, in a time frame that's you know years before um, a new version of .NET, probably not a good idea to install it on the box unless absolutely you're told to do it because who knows? You know, I mean, I, it's always been the kind of common sense adage I've always taken. You know, if your if your if your server's built on .NET two, you know, two, don't dump four or five on it. You know, because you know who knows what'll happen, right? And I think it's the same with this. It's, it's making sure that you're not just approving everything because uh, what, what sort of problems are you going to have as well? Uh, we, we all know about the, or well, we've talked in previous episodes about the problems with Exchange uh, update rollups as well uh, and having to, to revert back to those. So, again, it's, it's reinforcing that you need to test patches before you deploy them, uh, especially when they're not critical security updates, uh, which will... Uh, th- there's been some talk about that with Exchange anyway, and that perhaps because these update rollups add a feature and fix a, a security issue, that a critical update perhaps should be separate from a feature update rollup. Yeah, it's important to also note that um, yeah, it not only does it affect servers, but it shouldn't be installed on any machine that has uh, Exchange management tools installed too, because it can interfere with those. So uh, it's not just the just the actual same server roles, it's any machine that has uh, you know, management tools. You want to avoid installing that on as well. And talking of update rollups, there is some news around that in that uh, update rollup 5 version 2, which fixes some of the problems in version 1, is out. Service pack 1, uh, Exchange 2010, Service pack 1, rollup update 8 is out. And Exchange 2007 Service Pack 3 Rollup Update 9 is out. Now, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Uh, but it's is that the last in a long line of, of hopefully uh, stable patches because uh, the, the last three or four seem to have had some sort of an issue uh, over the last year or so. Uh, we had the issues with Update Rollup 4 where uh, there was a certificate uh, expiry, uh, I think, uh, and that had to be revoked and re-released. And update rollup five was causing some issues with DAGs. Is that right? Yep, uh, it was causing when you well, if you did install update rollup four version two, and if you go and install the rollup five version one, yeah, and run get database available to group, you are getting a crash report. So Microsoft even didn't even announce it. They didn't even say they had rollup five. All of a sudden, it was on downloads list, but yep. they didn't even put a blog post about it. But now we have update rollup 5 version 2, which fixes that problem as well. And also it has, I think, 17 or 18, I'm not sure, 20 maybe, fixes as well uh, with it, uh, which are 
pretty nice fixes out there, uh, especially the retention. Well, I was having problems with the retention tags uh, with legal holes on them. There's a fix for that, which is a nice one. And there are a couple of nice fixes out there. Uh, I don't know if you guys installed it, but I did install it this morning, I guess. Yeah, it was this morning to a client. And, well, I haven't heard back yet. <laughs> it's been a couple of hours. <laughs> and it's Sunday. But what, into the test <laughs> environment or just straight in there? Oh, straight in there. Oh, I, I would. Uh, it's I was version two. Wait, uh, how, how many times can they miss on it? On it's version two now. I was just going to go on and on about test environment, test environment. Now, if I do, we're going to look like hypocrites. <laughs> well, if if it's like the yeah, update roll up five, if I didn't even install it, but. Version two, come on, they can mess it up. Oh no, twice. of course not. So man. like, so what, and they have a blog post for it. So I, I guess that's working. <laughs> How many versions of Update Rollup four was there? I don't remember anymore. So I don't remember three, three. Yeah, there were three, right? <laughs> um, but I, I wasn't sure what version three fixed. I mean, my test lab is still on version Update Rollup four, version three. Uh, I've not updated it yet, um, but. Building an exchange test lab is isn't hard, but the, the hard bit is the the important bit, which is making it match your production environment. Because let's face it, if you throw together a test environment and go, "Yep, that looks absolutely fine," what sort of real testing are you going to be able to do? Uh, exactly. And Joanne, there's another thing you wanted to bring up as well, and that's compatibility with third-party products. Yeah, you also uh, should uh, focus on uh, if you are using any third-party products that they're already test-ready rollups although it's more uh, applicable to server specs, but some third-party products may cause issues with wallets. So as you already mentioned, please test it in a test lab before uh, uh, putting it in production because, yeah, you're not, you're not wanting to have uh, your end users having uh, problems uh, while you're trying to fix something uh, which is fixed by a, by a rollup. Yeah, and that's... Possibly the hardest bit of the whole putting it together and making sure that you test it properly. Because what do you need to do that testing? Do you have to have a, a pre-production environment uh, sitting yeah. on the edge of your DAG? Uh, you know, yeah, you know, with, with, with yeah. BlackBerry, it's, it's very, very difficult because you can only register one of your best servers to, uh, to the BlackBerry environment uh, from RIM itself. If you're um, bringing on another server, with the same identity, yeah, it will cause issues. Yeah, yeah. I've always just downloaded the trial. They usually give you a, like a 30-day SRP key to, for trial. You can use yeah, for testing. Yeah, I, I had to do that and and also have emulators because I didn't have any BlackBerry devices, which is always <laughs> a nightmare. Uh, but perhaps for another episode, we should talk a little bit more about that, and that is patch testing because uh, you know we, we we can go test test test, and everyone always says test test test, but uh, there's there's some real world sort of how to to do that that I think we could you know talk about in a, in a future episode. Uh, but for example, on that the, the tap program, one thing that, that I used to have was a separate site as an emergency site that I could move stuff into. Uh, so that that might not help with a schema upgrade. Uh, at least I could move mailboxes somewhere else uh, and test it before it went into the the real big meat of the production side of things. Uh, and that, that was that, that was just a virtual environment with a, a DAG sitting in it, all hooked into the same software, same backup software, same antivirus software. Uh, but 
it was isolated to a certain degree from the rest of the environment. Uh, then that's a uh, that's alongside uh, another test environment. Uh, so perhaps in a future episode we could talk about those sort of options and you know what people have done in the past, uh, what sort of problems they've had uh, from from patches and uh, and what the feasibility of it is for for smaller to medium companies and whether you can whether you can do that or whether it's just worth biting the bullet and going for it. Yeah, I mean, for example, in, in this large environment I'm in, we actually have a, a link a 2010 an entire pool that's just a QA pool that we can use to, to yeah. put, you know, I mean, not every you know, place has luxury to, to do that necessarily, but I mean, that's uh, that's the one way we're able to isolate, even in production, hey, you know, we'll patch these servers first, test out some, some users in this, you know, test pool and, and, uh, and uh, you know, make sure everything's good to go. You know, but, but for some customers, it, it's pretty hard because they, oh, they, they, they have a test environment, so right. well, what we normally do is we'll, we will test in our own environment and yeah, of course we we have got um, um, more than one customer, luckily. So we all, always know that uh, some customers will, uh, will will apply it, and we will we will ask them for well, have you found issues? And we're also monitoring forums and that kind of uh, resources, and then give uh, customers an advice. Well, we think it's safe because it, the, the patch has been released now for several months or several weeks. And we don't have seen many issues with other customers and not very, uh, hearing many uh, issues from uh, other exchange peers. And moving on from exchange, is the the Link conference uh, that we want to talk about next. Uh, Stoli, uh, you've got some interesting information uh, about the, the upcoming sessions. Yeah, uh, I just saw last week that they posted uh, about 50 sessions for uh, the 50. Link conference. Yeah. Wow. So there are going to be two tracks, a uh, business track and a technical track. So there should be uh, something for, for everyone. So what's a business track? Is that yeah, it's uh, like level 100, level 200 sessions about adoption and uh, uh, technology overviews uh, for Link. Uh, so you have uh, how to deploy uh, a contact center in, in Link and and uh, how to succeed with your adoption, how to get your users on your side and stuff. So is this the sort of thing where you should bring your CTO with you then? You can send him off to that and then go and listen to the technical tracks. Yep. <laughs> that sounds like... I can buy your drinks too. The, <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound like the, the most fun you could ever have. Yeah, well, it's uh, sometimes interesting to hear uh, some of the um, overview stuff as well. Uh, yeah. But uh, so there, it's about half and half. So about 22 sessions that are level 100 and level 200. Yeah. And uh, about 29 sessions that are um, level 300 and 400. So it's a little bit like a, a tech ed, but just focused on link rather than. Yeah. Deep dive stuff uh, like the like Mech was supposed to be. Yeah, so uh, it, it's uh, actually really exciting. Uh, lots of third party uh, partners will be there uh, having stands, and uh, some of them are also speaking how to uh, deploy their technology within a link environment. So do you think there's going to be quite a heavy voice focus on the the link conference? Yeah, sure. Uh, lots of enterprise voice, but also lots of uh, monitoring and uh, a couple of uh, really heavy deep dives as well by Microsoft, um, how things actually work. 
So um, yeah, it should be something for everyone here. And yeah. uh, uh, personally, I'm looking really forward to uh, attending, and uh, uh, probably lots of great sessions, and also um, lots of interesting people to network with. Yeah, I, I think from our side, we've already got uh, a few of us signed up. Uh, uh, who have we got? So yeah, it's well, uh, Pat and Tom. Pat's going. Tom's going. And uh, I am going. You're going. Is that it? I'm sure there was. Well, I actually, I think so. And John, I'm is, trying. Uh, I'm trying. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the conference here, yeah. is in uh, February, end of February, nineteenth uh, to twenty-first, I think. And uh, if you haven't signed up out there, you should uh, really consider it if you're into Link. So, is it expensive to go? Well, it's not. It's not. The, the, the hotel is a little bit more. Um, it's a really nice place. Uh, the hotel is in El Dorado. Um, and uh, people are not familiar, um, it's in San Diego this year, or this, this time. The, um, and it's in uh, Coronado, which is an island in, in, in uh, you know, off the, the city in the, in, the, in the bay. And it's really, 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 really nice place to go for a conference. I mean, it's gorgeous there. Um, and uh, so, I see yeah, it's a little bit more than I mean, the, the, the tuition is the same as it was for Mech. Um, I know some of you guys are getting probably a discount um, for the conference, but for the tuition. But uh, but uh, other than that, it's not you know fundamentally anymore. The rooms are a little bit more than the, than the Gaylord uh, was uh, where Mac was held. But so it's it's going to be a good one though. So is it? Uh, it's in February. So what's the weather going to be like for people going there? Well, it's always exactly 77, 76.2 degrees in San Diego all year round. Is that Celsius? And, uh, <laughs> Fahrenheit. No, it's not. <laughs> that, that, uh, that's Mark two to me for being in the US. The, the weather in San Diego typically is so exactly the same all year round. Yeah. It's almost monotonous. You know, it's like, please do something else, you know, but it's pretty nice there. So I, I have no idea what 77 Fahrenheit is. Uh, and like, Google uh, is not helping me. <laughs> Where's my conversion tool? Uh, I, I don't. Is it hot? <laughs> is the question? Yeah, it's nice. It's it's not crazy hot. It's just you know, it's just it's uh, you know, it's um, yeah. So um, so so hopefully I'm, I'm going to be going to that MVP summit. Uh, so uh, there's going to be some other exchange guys here. 21 degrees at Giants. It's 21 degrees. Uh, so that's uh, a mild. It's a uh, room temperature. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. That's quite nice actually. I like I like the sound of 21 degrees. Yeah, it's never too um, hot. Never too cold. I uh, hear in Redmond it can be quite snowy that time. Yeah, of year, so. yeah in February in Redmond it's going to suck. Let me tell you, it's yeah. going to suck. <laughs> so this is why the well, why MVPs are going, uh, who are Exchange and Linkified are going. Oh, I'm going to go to the the Link conference. That's going to be a bit warmer for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a really nice place to go. There's no doubt, um, and the hotel looks awesome. Uh, so we're going to be doing something there, and again. Uh, going to be wearing those t-shirts around and yeah i think uh, pat actually are planning some cool stuff uh, yeah for us, uh, we can't the, the conference and well we can't say uh, what it is yet we can't say what it is yet because we don't know whether no. it's going to work out but uh, yeah hopefully we'll do something cool uh, yeah so, hopefully yeah um so right that's all our top stories and let's move on to some of our topics this week and uh, the first job wanted to talk about uh, the new link pilot kit uh, so the Link Pilot Kit is uh, the adoption and training kit that was uh, uh, also released with uh, Link 2010. Is that right, John? 
Well, yeah, actually, I believe it, it came out uh, toward the end of October this year. Um, yeah. I had really not, not, heard, not really, I really wasn't even aware of it until a couple of weeks ago. And, and basically, what it is, it's, 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 it's a lot of things. Um, it's not just any one specific thing. But what it is is, you know, a bunch of documents and, um, um, uh, you know, PowerPoint decks and, and things both to help, um, you know, do a pilot kickoff, you know, everything from you know, a pilot kickoff to um, understanding some of the uh, functionality of, of Link. Um, um, all the way into, you know, uh, following kind of like the operational methodology into like monitoring and, and health status of an existing deployment. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of good data compiled into one big package. Um, but one of the, the, one of the things I wanted to kind of to, to really point out um, is that there's a, um, a health monitoring. Um, so, yeah, yeah just, you know, it's a, it's a high level overview. There's, you know, kind of communications and readiness, operations and planning kind of things, and a bunch of different, you know, documents and, and things uh, in each of those kind of categories. Um, but under operations, there's a link pilot deployment health analysis tool. That's a really slick uh, spreadsheet um, that will go out and look at your, you have to have monitoring server deployed. But it'll go out and look at your monitoring server and 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 download uh, through SQL queries a lot of different um, reports and put them in a really good um, you know kind of expand if, if you're not familiar with the monitoring server server role for Link uh, you know it goes out and gathers tons and tons of different data um, for different components of Link everything from um, you know peer-to-peer sessions and any information you want to to, to drill down on that um, to quality of service for uh, uh, or quality of experience I should say rather. Um, for link uh, calls, um, and uh, it, it, it'll drill down on, on so much minutia that it's almost like um, it's a really amazing, and you can kind of get lost in the reports because the amount of stuff it, co- it collects is is pretty staggeringly cool. So, so just for is, example, it, this is like, more than just uh, a spreadsheet. Then this this thing looks like a, it's a whole app uh, built on a spreadsheet. Sort of, yeah, it sort of is. It's really an advanced, like you know, it's it's not just a simple macro. It's uh, it's a pretty advanced. <laughs> So that's um, something you know, someone in your, your finance department has written and the whole business repli- uh, relies on. It's like absolutely massive. You've got buttons. You've got bits where you can enter usernames and passwords uh, to, to get it started off. It's, what, what, yeah, why it, didn't they just make an app? Is the well, question. <laughs> or why, is it, why isn't this some of this stuff in the monitoring server reports directly? But I mean, I mean, I think uh, – and the monitoring server reports, which are based on uh, SQL reporting, I mean, are really yeah. good. Um, but yeah, they, 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 you know, they're web-based and they could be kind of slow to actually, you know, manipulate and gather data. You can export those to other things, but this, this, uh, this, uh, uh, report kind of collects that, that data for you and, and, and allows you to, to slice and dice it in a really, really slick way. Um, so. Yeah, yeah, it's really uh, well done. And again, back to the monitoring port. So, I mean, you know, if you want minutia of like, you know, what what uh, wireless headset driver, or or uh, you know, a sound driver, uh, uh, whether it was a laptop or some external sound card driver, the user the user was using the caller and callee were using when they made a made a link call and what happened. You know, the the monitoring reports can give you that kind of data, which is kind of you know pretty amazing and critical to kind of finding out you know what happened in the call. Somebody calls to help us said, well, you know, I made a link call and the quality sucked. You can kind of see what they were talking about without having to have them explain. Well, it was wobbly, or you know, uh, it was dropping out, or um, you can kind of look at the call data and see exactly what what was going on. So, this uh, report kind of goes out and collects that data from monitoring and, and allows you to present it in a bunch of different ways. Um, and uh, some of it's very good from a technical level. Some of it's really good and, you know, and handy to, to give to management. So. Um, if you haven't checked it out, definitely we put, we'll put the link up uh, uh, to download it. Uh, definitely worth 
worth um, checking out. And read the readme for the the, the, the health uh, analysis uh, because there's some you know, a couple things you got to make sure you in terms of what account you're logged in with. But uh, I think pretty good stuff. Well, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it is, and um, uh, but it doesn't replace the monitoring reports. No, right. You, you actually need to have the monitoring server yeah, deployed. Uh, but uh, I haven't looked at this much myself, but uh, it uh, looks to be an easy way to report to, uh, yeah, what, uh, like you said, management and stuff. Yeah. So does uh, it much load on your monitoring server, or is it... Uh, Quite it's just uh, SQL Server queries, I see, and uh, and yeah. if you don't do uh, much of it, then uh, then it should be okay. It doesn't run continuously, so uh, yeah, it looks great. Should be you should uh, look into it. And so, then that brings us on to our next topic, I think, uh, Link 2013. Uh, you wanted to talk about early adopters uh, and the sort of issues that they might need to consider. Yeah, uh, so um, uh, we are having. I have uh, seen around some uh, early adapter uh, talk. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the server itself and the solution itself is quite stable, but um, you can run into some uh, quirks. And uh, one issue we have seen is that uh, you may have uh, trouble uh, getting the ser- services to start at all <laughs> when well, that, installing. That sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and in some cases uh, maybe uh, the only workaround is to scorch the server and reinstall it. Right. So okay. yeah, uh, it's about the Win Fabric uh, that makes the services uh, and it won't start. So um, but uh, sh- most people have gotten it working by uh, re- reinitializing. Uh, uh, the servers, uh, services. And does it matter what OS you're deploying onto? I uh, I believe uh, we have seen the issue both on uh, Windows Server 2008, uh, 2008 and uh, 2012. Oh, that's weird then. So uh, that, that's another reason for having virtualization, so you can just press go on a new template. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's uh, also a bug uh, in, um, in the link client. Uh, the Link 2013 RTM client. The that, one we're uh, using to record this very podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you may see that the Link client um, is not getting uh, updates from Exchange and uh, and uh, the um, uh, calendar. Uh, and that is maybe because uh, the client is not looking for SRE records for the auto-discover right. uh, setting in DNS for uh, Exchange uh, and uh, so it can't reach Exchange Web Services. So you'd, be, you'd expect it to be using the same logic that Outlook uses to discover. Yeah, it, it is uh, actually a bug, uh, and it's uh, yeah. scheduled to be fixed um, uh, for the next update. Uh, and it works if you have uh, a records uh, for um, the auto uh, discover record. Yeah. Uh, then it works, but uh, it doesn't look for SRE records uh, at the moment. So if you have SRV deployed for your, you know, for your exchange records, Link won't, won't won't query that. No, it won't. Okay. So um, lots of my customers, uh, where I have deployed both Exchange and Link, we use A records because they always work. Right. Uh, you exchange guys, uh, do you use SRV records a lot? I always try and avoid it. I've yeah, I do too. Uh, but there's sometimes like with three. There's some scenarios with 365 where you have no choice, right? Oh, yeah. But I mean, with 365, yeah, fair enough. But no, I I would avoid it wherever possible because yeah. of like, the limited client support. Oh, yeah. 
because not all clients uh, right. respect SRE records. Exactly. You know, especially exactly. mobile devices. Yeah, and I have also seen in early 2010 deployments when we did the Exchange Unified Messaging integration, uh, it always worked better if you had A records. So uh, I always uh, try to use A records for um, Exchange Auto Auto Discover. I think Jonas uh, just said he thinks Mac clients have some issues with missing SRV records. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, I, I had somebody have a problem with that not that long ago, and I couldn't find anything. I could I know. I know. I remember there was some documentation on on the Mac um, and its lookup process, but I couldn't find you know, that. I, I need to look for that again. Something that rings yeah. a bell around is is yeah, to do with having an A. Well, not having an A record, but using a C name for Auto Discover. And I can't remember why. I can't remember the ins and outs of this one. So this is possibly one for a bit more research, or maybe something that happened and it's just so long ago that I've got it wrong. Yeah, that, I yeah. think that's something we should follow up on it because uh, uh, I need to find. I know there was some information on on the, the Max uh, uh, process for for lookup, but uh, the Mac link client. But I can't remember where that talk is now offhand, and I need to I need to find that. Yeah. So um, uh, regarding early adapter in uh, in Link. Um, yeah. There haven't been many issues, so there is more design changes that you need to be aware of than there is issues. So regarding the link client again, they are now heavily using the link discover record, which is the same that a mobile client uses in 2010. But now it's been uh, used uh, for the desktop client, for the Windows 8 app, for the new mobile clients, and for uh, yeah every client uh, that is new to 2013 is using the Link Discover record uh, to log in. So you need to deploy uh, the record in uh, a different way than uh, what was the guidance for 2010. Um, what about other features like... Uh uh, full enterprise voice. Is there any PBX integration, gotchas, or uh, is it a bit too early to, to really consider other vendor support? It is uh, a little bit early, but um, in, in those cases, we can uh, keep the 2010 mediation server that is supported against those um, PBXs and SIP trunks, and it's fully supported by the Link 2013 to use uh, a legacy mediation server. So uh, for enterprise voice, you can still keep your um, uh, your SIP um, trunk going. And uh, the other thing you need to uh, maybe uh, a thing to think about for early adapters is, of course, um, uh, trusted applications and uh, UCMA applications, because now we have UCMA 4.0 instead of 3.0, and uh, not big changes, but uh, you, we need to wait for the um, uh, renders to update their uh, solutions for UCMA 4.0. So there's uh, not a great deal of backwards compatibility built into that then? Uh, it may work, uh, but it may also not work. So it needs to be tested and uh, updated by the vendors. So what about the mobile client then? Uh, so the, the 2010 mobile client works with 2013? Yeah, it does, yep, yep. Uh, and it uses the Link Discover service as it uh, did before, and the MCX service is deployed for uh, compatibility with the, the Link 2010 uh, mobile clients. But no sign yet of the Link 2013 mobile clients or, or even an ETS when they'll they'll arrive. Is it? No, no, not yet. 
Yeah, other than they were called, you know, the Wave Two clients back back uh, a while back. I, you know, I haven't heard an ETA yet. Uh, so it's uh, it's in a way that difficult position where vendors who fill in those gaps uh, are pulling back on, you know, the, what they're going to do to fill that mobility gap because they won't need to with 2013. Uh, yet people who want 2013 as an early adopter might have to wait a little bit longer to get uh, things like uh, voice calls through Link on the mobile if they want the native client. Is that is there a recommended interim solution to to fit that gap? By a by a Windows 8 tablet <laughs> and use the RT client. <laughs> yeah, you would just look but make sure you point the link here, discover. Right? Uh, if you're going to use the Windows 8 uh, uh, app, you're you, you need to consider a link discover because that one uses only link discover to sign in. And uh, if you point out to go outside as you did in 2010, then every link uh, Windows 8 app will actually sign in from outside your organization. What other sort of areas with will early adopters have to be concerned about? Well, um, you know, I was re- referencing. I think we were talking before that we started recording on, the, on this uh, project I'm doing now. Um, they have BlackBerry users, and they want to deploy uh, the link, uh, the, the, the the BlackBerry Enterprise messaging client, you know, so they can get you know IMA presence on their Blackberries. Well, obviously, you know, 2013 just hit GA, and so RIM, of course, is you know obviously the same old you know scenario with when, with a new product release. You know, oh, we haven't tested it yet; it's not supported yet. Blah 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 blah. And so you know that would be one glaring thing. Hey, you know, we we have Bez. Will this even work? Um, at all against a 2013 registrar, or is it something we have to wait until RIM supports it directly, um, you know, before we can deploy 2013? Because you know, if these, you know, the, the best requirement, um, or you know, if there's other workarounds possibly, I mean, that, that's one I could think of. Um, and, you know, you'll get stuff like that um, in any kind of product cycle. And um, there's also some design changes regarding SQL uh, Server. If you're doing enterprise uh, link servers, uh, that uh, in 2010 you only could do clustering, and now in 2013 you only can do mirroring. So uh, that's uh, something to work around uh, when deploying for early adapters. It's a big uh, gotcha. Cool. So does that wrap up our Link 2013 early adopters topic then? Is there anything else we need to add to that? Well, I, I think the only other thing is, um, you know, the, uh, one of the decisions, and it's going to be the same with Exchange as well, is, you know, the, the OS version. That's one thing I'm struggling with. I just, this 2015 link deployment I just did, you know, um, you know, they, their corporate standard was still 2008 R2 SV1, um, which, which, you know, which that'll work, but there's a lot more components and things you have to do. And, you know, there's also that operational sense where it's like, well, um, you know, if you're going to install the 13 version of a, of a, you know, the new brand new version of a product on an old OS, and your corporate standards wants, you know, at some point says let's let's get rid of all the uh, older versions of the OS, you might be in a situation where you have to do another migration because, um, you know, there's no upgrade, in, you know, upgrade in places that are typically never supported. So, you know, I mean, that's that's something I always think of. I I would tend to want to if you're going to, you know, push to the edge of the envelope, you might as well do it all the way. But you know, every corporation's, you know. Uh, appetite for that sort of you know is different so you have to weigh that uh, you know in this case they still chose to go, go with r2 which is fine um but uh, like i said there's a lot more things to, to do to get it work um you have to work and 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 then down the road obviously you're looking at you know potential 
the OS runs out of supportability before the application might, you know. And, you know, that, that and also, you know, like we were saying uh, with the Pez, I mean, but things like uh, interoperability with load balancers and uh, proxies and uh, gateways, I mean, that's all still needs to be, be tested and certified by the vendor. So, you know, we typically see how many months after something becomes GA that it takes, you know, time for uh, for those to get to come out to speed. So, you know, sometimes there's going to be those things like, oh, yeah, we didn't think of that. <laughs> you know, um, you know, uh, gateway vendor X doesn't support some new verb or something. You know, who knows? Uh, and you, you're kind of stuck, you know. Yeah, uh, actually, um, uh, for early adapters, I'm wondering, um, uh, some of them want to install on server 2012, others on 2008. Um, what do you guys see for new products? Uh, are you are they going 2012 or are they holding back on 2008? Uh, most of my projects are still 2008 R2. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same thing with the OS level too. You've got backup agents. I mean, it's a, it works on. I, you know, it's a it's a cart and a horse, right? I mean, if if uh, if if the 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 group that you know does the base you know images, let's say, uh, for companies, uh, you know, for the operating system in the server build group. They may or may not want to uh, want you know they they can't take a chance on a new version of an OS. Plus you know backup agents and things like that are not done yet, so it's the same kind of thing. They can't certify uh, 20, server 2012 in their environment until they fix all those problems. So you know usually you're going <laughs> to wait. Is the end of the, the usually the moral of the story. Yeah, I see some customers uh, deploying t- 2012 and really going all in, and uh, some are uh, still deploying on 2008 R2. Well, I think that wraps up our Link 2013 topic. And the next one is with Joanne. And we're going to be talking about Live at Edu to Office 365 migrations, uh, which uh, both of us have uh, I've done a few of so far. Uh, Joanne, you've oh. had some terrible experiences with it, though, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So the call with a customer uh, who wished to, uh, to set up a, a rich coexistence uh, scenario, so where both users... Can, uh, can be on, on premise or in Office 365 and share free busy information and that, that kind of stuff. Uh, was it a tenant that was already widely in use by the customer or a, a fairly empty live edge? Well, yeah, well, there were some users in it, but luckily no production users. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah. That's Microsoft, a sort of relief, uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, <clears throat> there went something wrong uh, during the migration of... Uh, Live at EDU to uh, Office 365, where uh, some of the uh, uh, configuration was not uh, correctly uh, set up, and yeah. it caused some uh, some strange issues with uh, with the free busy lookups from uh, one side to the other side. So, for this to fix, you will you will need to uh, to open a case with uh, with the Office 365 support because the commentlets which you can run in Office 365 are limited. Yeah. And some things you can't fix yourself. And uh, well, after a few calls, uh, the guy from support uh, told me that uh, that the issue was uh, escalated to the to the product uh, group. Well, I thought, well, okay, nice. <laughs> but let's wait how how long it takes uh, to fix it. Um, then they rescheduled the reprovisioning uh, script two times, but the didn't fix the issue because the, the parameters were not uh, not updated. And now after that, uh, they escalated it to uh, to development, which well, I haven't seen seen uh, seen that happen uh, so, very much. 
I mean, one question I've got: Did they have the, any sort of mimicking a hybrid environment set up? Like, did they have organisation, relationship, federation, trust, all configured on premise to talk to their yeah. to live edu before they did the upgrade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, everything was working before. Yeah. So, but the, but the problem was that now in Office 364 in the cloud services from Microsoft, you've got uh, two kinds of uh, federation gateways. Yeah. So when they're on Edu, they'd be talking to the consumer gateway, which is the yeah. Windows Live ID-based one. Yeah, that's correct. And at that point, I would have thought when you when you press the button, so it, for a live Edu upgrade, customer gets a notification that they can self-service upgrade, and then it goes through three big steps where it gets migrated. And at that point, you'd expect an email from Microsoft saying, we can see you've got an organization relationship set up. Uh, you need to recreate it, and we need to tie your tenant to the business gateway. Is that not yeah. what happens? Yeah, that that should normally happen, but right. that didn't happen with this customer because he had also some you know, other strange things, which I uh, shall need not uh, go uh, into deep detail uh, with you. Yeah, pretend uh, the innocent. Yeah, <laughs> things things like uh, that some old services which should not work. Uh, in Office 365 uh, still work and that kind of stuff. So when everything was fixed, uh, there are other things, uh, the old services which were uh, offered by a uh, live EDU, yeah. such as uh, the SkyDrive, uh, yeah, were not working anymore. But yeah, that's logical. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a yeah, it was yeah, a nice experience, um, which I had. But yeah. So the the core of this issue is to do with the Federation Gateway, and that yeah, after yeah, the yes. after the yeah. upgrade was completed, the off what's now an Office 365 tenant uh, was still tied to the Consumer Gateway rather than the yeah. Business Gateway, and the Business yeah. Gateway is the one that's that's tied into Microsoft Online Services IDs, and um, because yeah. that that switch wasn't set, which you can't do yourself, uh, the 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 whole hybrid stuff, all the free busy stuff, just fell apart. Yeah, yeah. And I wrote a blog post about it, which we will will uh, mention in the in the page about uh, this episode. So, for for guys just like me who have the issue, just look at the uh, at the post and have contact Office 365 support because they're the only guys who can fix uh, the issue for you. Unfortunately. Because if you need to fix it yourself, you're already within, well, maybe three, four minutes. And now it took, well, I think three, four weeks. Wow. Uh, but the, being the first to have a problem on that, which uh, there's a good chance you might have been one of the first customers to, to hit that issue. Because uh, yeah. uh, you know, we're still early on. A lot of organizations that have really went to town uh, on building out a hybrid live edgy environment uh, I wouldn't have thought uh, are likely to want to push ahead with an upgrade at this stage. So, yeah, well, they, they, yeah. So if this customer would like to uh, to use the new Office 365 because because they've got changed 2010 on premise. Yeah. Yeah, with the with the latest updates, and they thought, yeah, well, yeah, why not? Let's let's try it. Let's uh, because there are some uh, some things which are. Uh, compared to to live that edu uh, are pretty simple in Office 365. Yeah, 
uh, like configuration federation for example yeah but also the the synchronization of your uh, of your contacts to the cloud yeah. um yeah it goes yeah, it is pretty easy to set up and it's not really hard and if you've done it a few times so yeah that was one of their main reasons uh, they uh, um yeah They've chosen to uh, to be one of the early adopters to move from a live to Office 365. So hopefully, then, uh, hopefully the next customer that comes across this problem won't have a three-week wait. Uh, but uh, if they no, check out your blog post, you've you've documented what they need to have a look at so that so they can see whether yeah. or not they've got this problem. Uh, so uh, if they if they end up going down a road where they don't get any answers uh, with Microsoft, then this fingers crossed is going to help somebody. Uh, to to yeah. get that case pushed on. Yeah, yeah, but uh, because I heard from uh, from the support guy, they've 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 got some issues with the migration process of uh, live at EDU to Office 365. So yeah, I was not the only one who had the issue. Yeah, that, there's a, a lot of different things that that, that change around this because tr- traditionally for these live Edge accounts, then uh, the 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 copy of FIM on premise uses password uh, synchronization agent to a password change notification service to give it its right name uh, to push password changes up to the cloud uh, so though they've always been separate accounts that sit there and then as they move forward then these are using federation and the the place where I've seen that cause the biggest challenge is where they've where those live edge customers have had alumni accounts, so instead of removing the accounts from Live at Edu when some when a student leaves, they've just left them there and just stopped syncing the password. Uh, so uh, in FIM, instead of deleting the account, they just disconnect it and go right. Well, that can stay there, and if they come back, we'll you know take it back on board as something we manage. Uh, but of course, when they move to Office 365, then all that breaks because. The official line is that they need to keep an account on premise uh, to match up for the federation to work, uh, and and they've got to come up with some workarounds to to do that. And uh, there's been some suggestions from Microsoft about different solutions, but I don't think there's a, a definitive. This is the way forward. Yeah, for for those kind of cases, and I think that that's where a lot of organisations with live edge uh, are going to get caught out. Yeah, yeah, that's also what I think. I think. Uh yeah, if you are using it in production now, it will you will have a lot of advantages uh, or on well, advantages. Yeah, maybe advantages because yeah, it it looks great, but you're also losing things, and that's yeah, pretty hard for some customers because they're using uh, some of the services now, and yeah, you have to tell them yeah, sorry, it's not available anymore. Yeah, because uh, although it's all running on this the same like exchange platform there's a very weird mix so for for link people we use in owa uh with blink integrated into it on the live edu side the live edu customers had exchange 2010 owa uh, but with msm messenger sitting sitting there but using the same link integration so uh the 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 customers that have had that bit enabled have used Windows Live Messenger inside OWA, and then that account just gets thrown off somewhere else. So they get evicted from that live ID, uh, and the same with the they can use SkyDrive. So uh, that their SkyDrive identity from being organization owned becomes something that the 
the student or the, the member of staff at the university owns. And it's that split where it's not particularly clear and, and what happens with passwords and who owns it going forward, where it's uh, it's a bit of a mess, but the, there was never going to be another way, really, was there? No, no. Uh, but, yeah. And it's, Let's it's, hope uh, Microsoft learns a lot from the uh, early migrations and... Uh, yeah. That uh, this this kind of uh, things uh, will not happen to uh, to other customers, but yeah. I have a good feeling about it because they they, they took it uh, really seriously uh, once they detected what was uh, what the issue was. Yeah, and I, I think it's the same across uh, the, the board with Microsoft PSS and and a lot of different support vendors uh, that they can take a little bit of a while to get going because you've got to get past that first line but once they understand that, that it's an issue and it gets to the right people then something's usually done about it very very quickly yeah uh and talking over the vendors our next topic and last main topic for today uh is is new year stuff and uh, the, the kind of cool things that are coming up in the new year and the first one that i and probably uh, everyone else want to mention is kemp uh, so we've banged on and on about TMG and how terrible it is that it will no longer be available. It is no longer available. Ooh. As of this moment, it's gone. Yes. And uh, we got a word from Greg Taylor in the last episode uh, that he thinks that the market will come to take this up. And, uh, you know, sceptical as I was, I was, I thought, not for a while yet. Uh, but it seems like it's going to be sooner than we thought. Uh, so Kemp have announced that they are doing uh, a new add-on for their existing load balancers. Uh, so bear with me for a minute. It's the Kemp Edge security pack is that right esp uh so if you well put the link on for that uh, the, but uh, if you google for uh bing for kemp esp the edge security pack is basically trying to bolt on tmg style web publishing onto the existing kemp load balancer as a free upgrade and of course on on new ones so uh the the link that we'll put onto the uh, onto the podcast uh, also gives you a link to sign up for the beta testing for that as well uh, so that's going to affect people that have already decided to use uh, Kemp at the moment and have got it as virtual or physical you'll be able to apply that to your existing Kemp uh, and use that in, in place of TMG and it's going to support all the sort of things that we like in TMG so pre-authentication uh, logging single sign-on against virtual services that's a key one that I like because perhaps that might be something where you can have some single sign-on for ADFS and Exchange uh, one thing I liked on TMG was being able to do that uh, and uh, yeah I think, think it's a positive step forward uh, to see the first cheap load balancer manufacturer that, that most people like come on board to say we're going to give you these features and it's not going to be a new product it's going to be a free add-on for the existing one that you've got uh what, what do other people think about that is everyone as positive as me or can anyone see any bad sides to this yeah well i think it's uh yeah quite positive i've also heard from some other cheap uh, cheap load balancer vendors who are uh, thinking about it and not uh, officially announced it but they're uh saying yeah they, they should but say yeah, what they're going to do because it's definitely going to i mean there's obviously a commercial aspect to this and we're doing you know exactly the right thing that kent want us to do which is talk about it and saying yeah this yeah. is coming is going to drive sales yeah, yeah, and, yeah 
I, I think it's a, it's a, yeah that they they picked the, the right moment because uh, when you look at on the on the fora and on the several other web pages everybody's complaining about the PMV uh, being dropped yeah. and while everyone's complaining they make an, a big announcement yeah we're gonna uh, introduce this to our load balancer yeah it was a surprise to me but yeah I did well think that they would introduce it. Yeah, and you know, yeah. my thing is, and you know, and yeah, we uh, talked about um, uh, you know discussion with Greg, and there's also a, a quite a quite a good discussion on other channels that Greg's involved in um, distribution lists, that sort of thing, that I've been looking at, and you know, and with Exchange, it's funny because you know, like Exchange, you don't have to have a first proxy. I mean, obviously, we know, uh, you know, logistically, in most companies, most won't, you know, most companies won't accept the cast of sitting on the internet, but. In essence, I mean, you you don't have to have a first proxy for 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 most uh, things with an exchange. My pro and so so therefore, you know, Microsoft's stance is like, well, you know, we don't we, we didn't never told you you had to deploy a first proxy with exchange, so we're not really obligated to provide you know guidance necessarily, right? My problem really is with Link, because with Link, a hundred percent, absolutely, positively, no way around it, need a first proxy solution for almost anything in Link, right? So. You know, my thing is, okay, the only real, well-documented, you know, guidance for any reverse proxy solution with Link has always been TMG, right? But I can't tell you how many people have deployed TMG solely to, go, you know, as a total offshoot standalone silo to exist only as uh, uh, reverse proxy for Link, and they use reverse proxy for, with other products for other things because, you know, couldn't get it to work or whatever. But, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I really wish, if they're not going to support the, if they're not going to support TMG anymore, you know, Give us guidance of what the hell we should use uh, with Link because that's the problem right now. I, I can't tell you how you know. I, mean, I know other, I know you can, you know other products do work, but it's sort of this like well you know until the vendor writes up a way to do it, do we know it works or do all the things work? Um, I'm kind of in this situation right now in this 13 deployment because um, they're using F5 and um, you know I haven't done it yet, and so you know uh, that's that's sort of the thing. It's uh, with Link, it's it, it's really like well you're you're killing the product that we. You know, know and love that goes with this product that we know and love, and we have to use one to deploy this product. So we really need more than like, well, you know, find another vendor. So I'm hoping the the, the you know not only will the, the the community the market you know uh, fill the vacuum with products, but also Microsoft says you know here's the top five things we've tested with you know um, that sort of thing because uh, or at least certainly publish it on next half the next hop or whatever. Um, and I'm sure that stuff is going to happen, but um, you know, like I said, it's yeah sort and- of. And if you're a low balancer vendor and you're listening and uh, and you want us to talk about it, tell us uh, about what you're offering. We know about F5, but they haven't really sort of uh, been as vocal in the exchange community. But I think uh, is it Jap Wesselus did do a blog post on using their pre-auth module. Um, but you know, t- tell us how you're not as expensive as we think you are. Or sell something competitive. One of the two, uh, the, because there's when we want a TMG replacement, it's got to be something that actually is sellable. Uh, whether that's you selling it to your boss, or whether that's uh, someone like me telling you that that's the the product that I recommend. Uh, if it's completely out of the question in terms of cost it's not going to happen uh, and low balance of vendors that sell really good kit that that's really expensive um fit into some market segments but not all and of course they're missing out on on a lot there uh, that they could otherwise uh, have the customers for if they uh, especially virtual load balances i mean come on 
uh, it's not that hard to make one. I did, uh, and I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you don't need to charge as much as you charge for them, just because, just because of the intellectual property, because it ain't that hard. Uh, so, so get with it and and give us something good. If Link, if uh, like Kemp can uh, go out and develop a free add-on for their existing product. Uh, and still think they're going to make more money because they're going to sell more of it. Perhaps the more expensive load balance vendors should come down a bit in the market to, sure. to fit into that, to fit into that space that TMG has left them to, to right. grab onto because their existing prices, it's just not going to happen. And it's just going to be Kemp, Kemp, Kemp. Right. And, that's, and that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, the, you know if, if there's a known leader, if, you know, a, a, you know, Link is being as a big of a product it is, if there's a known leader and uh, the path of least resistance, the most well documented, most guidance out there product, um, to deploy with Link and for Link, um, you know, kind of no-brainer. I mean, a lot of companies are going to go use that product just for that. And, and again, even if it's especially a tactical thing, Kemp being so reasonable in price, like you were saying, you know, it's sometimes cheaper and less less hassle just to throw Kemp's in just for Link um, than try to shoehorn it into the, you know, corporate, uh, you know, proxy solution, you know. Well, they're not they're not that reasonable, uh, you know. Well, <laughs> compared to other products, they are. <laughs> yeah, compared to other products, they are. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, I, I don't like that the VLM is more expensive than a physical box. That's just stupid. Yeah, uh, I, don't I, that I know. <laughs> I mean, okay, I know that. Yeah, you could make it scale up more and more and more and more uh, because you could just put it on some big fat beefy hardware. But why not? Why not have a, a license by? No, I'm not going to say licensed by user. Licensed by enabled virtual core or something like that. The flip side of that is that instead of having a, something to publish it and do a reverse proxy and a load balancer, then we're missing out on one step uh, for, for a fair few deployments where people have had to buy both. So although I, I complain about the price of a, a virtual load balancer, uh, okay, uh, throwing in that feature uh, to replace TMG. It's probably going to make it cheaper overall, uh, but yeah, I, I want to see the other vendors join in and and come to that TMG replacement thing and bring out something a little bit more competitive. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Steve. And uh, if uh, you have uh, cheap load balancers that are reverse proxies as well, it would be a no-brainer. Uh, so any any other big uh, ones to watch for uh, the next uh, the next year? Well, for me uh, and the Link 2013, uh, they are now coming with support for wireless networks. Yeah. And uh, the upcoming Link client uh, that we don't know is being released uh, will support voice and video. So uh, wireless uh, networks are going to be big in 2013 and 2014, I think, because uh, none of them are uh, optimized for um, doing voice. Yeah. Probably. Uh, because they are optimized for internet traffic and and uh, other types of uh, communication and not uh, real-time communication. So um, deploying a decent uh, or redeploying wireless in uh, your organization that support uh, voice can do a fast handover between access points uh, and uh, are within the recommendations for by Microsoft uh, is going to be huge next year and and forth. So application-aware uh, wireless networks is is that? Yeah, I think uh, and Aruba are working very closely with uh, Microsoft on this, and uh, they are uh, doing application layer optimization of link traffic. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and you all, and, and uh, that involves an appliance that uh, controls the access points 
and have the clients uh, sign in to access point that isn't overloaded and uh, you have fast handover between access points yeah and uh, actually actually in some cases you need to redesign your uh, wireless network and this is huge because uh, you also have uh, customization of IT and bring your own device. Lots of those devices don't have uh, LAN ports, so yeah. they will do wireless. And um, I, I think we probably are seeing a shift to wireless uh, in, in the future uh, from um, local area-based networks or physical networks. Well, nearly, yeah, every, nearly every customer I go to, I, I just jump on the wireless LAN with my, my work laptop for, you know, getting out to the net. It's, it's pretty rare that I ever plug into, uh, uh, you know, a LAN, a guest LAN port. Yeah, and um, the crazy thing is that Link 2010 didn't support uh, wireless traffic, but uh, yeah. everyone almost did it. And uh, in my company, half of the, all the calls are going through wireless. And uh, but well, if it's poor quality, uh, then you need to go uh, physical network and uh, recreate the problem. And that's one of those things that the reporting server is is awesome for us because you can look at it like, oh yeah, I see what the problem is. You're at home on your home wireless, and the signal sucks, and you're getting like 360k, you know, or 3.6 meg of aggregate bandwidth on your home router because wherever you're at in the house, and you're going through the edge. And you know, I mean, this is well, I can tell you why your, your call quality sucked right here. <laughs> your, your, your wireless connection at home is, is for shit, you know. I mean, it's, so, so who's on wireless right now then <laughs> for for the show? I think I actually am. I, no, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I, I I move the Ethernet off this laptop, but yeah, I am. So I'm, actually, sitting, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting underneath my access point though, so it should be pretty good. So so yeah. our, our big two for for next year that we think are going to be a bit market changing then for unified communications is is blow balances with reverse proxies built in and uh, application aware wireless. Anything else that we think is going to be absolutely massive? Surface Pro. Like three. <laughs> <laughs> of course, two thousand and we we don't need to go into that one. But that's the that's the enabler, isn't it? That's the you can migrate. Yeah. And the as yet unknown about uh, or unknown number for the update rollup for two thousand and seven, which is pro- might well be the more important one actually in terms of who's going to move to twenty thirteen. Oh, I, I hope you don't hear Service Pack three version two. <laughs> yes. If that happens, that would be God. No. <laughs> no that, that's it. Well, that would we, be very bad. We we are we are confident that uh, the exchange product team are going to be a lot lot more focused on delivering high quality patches that we can throw out to even the most weird production environments without ever needing to test them. That's what's going to happen in 2013. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> if the world doesn't end in five days. I'm going to buy a new MacBook Pro just in case. If I, that's why I don't have to pay for it if the world ends and I get to use it. Until then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, talking about ends, it's probably the end of the show. So thank you very much for everyone uh, for joining me on the show today. We want to remind you that the UC Architects are online. Visit our website now at www.theucarchitects.com. Follow us on Twitter at the UC Architects. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com/theucarchitects, and we're on LinkedIn uh, with a group called the UC Architects. Believe it or not, our podcast episodes are available on the iTunes Store. 
the Zoom Marketplace. And if you use RSS clients like Outlook, you can use that to subscribe to our podcast too. For everything on the show today, uh, see our website. We've got links to, to all that good stuff, like Kemp Technologies, Application Aware Wireless, uh, Joanne's article on Live at Edu to Office 365 migrations, stuff about early adopters and the Link Pilot Kit, uh, stuff about the Link Conference, uh, and uh, that, those blog posts about update rollups that you should and shouldn't apply to your Exchange environments. Uh, so we'll see you back in a couple of weeks' time, assuming the world doesn't end, uh, just before the new year. Uh, so we'll be back uh, in two weeks' time with Pat Hosting. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.